You're about to hear a sermon from Han Vision Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia, delivered by Joe Song from our study on the gospel according to Matthew. Thanks for listening to Han Vision. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. We'll read it and, uh, and then we'll pray and then I'll talk about it. So that will be the order. So let me read it. You guys can follow along. Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse number one. Everybody there? Good. Here we go. So that same day, this is the same day, by the way, where Jesus was his... His family showed up and was like, Jesus, like, you're out of your mind. Get out of here. And Jesus is like, who's my family? Not you guys. You know, it's like it's the people who follow God. And uh, this is the same day where Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees and the Pharisees and were all like, are you the devil? And Jesus is like, no. Okay. This is that same day. All right. Here we go. Chapter one, uh, verse one. The same day, that same day, Jesus went out of the house. So he was in that house and his family came to get him and sat down beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered around about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach and they told, and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain and some a hundred fold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. And then he like stopped. <laughs> That's like so weird. Like he's like, everyone shows up, thousands of people. He's on, he gets on a boat and they're all listening. They're all like ready to listen to what Jesus has to say. And then he just tells this story, no explanation. And then he's just like, he who has ears, let them hear. Right? Like if that were you and you like, you'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, like Jesus just explained a very like normal thing that they see all the time. People in those days, remember, they were, this was like an agrarian sort of culture. Like they had, like they saw this happen all the time. So it's, it's kind of like Jesus was just like, yeah. And then he went to work and he did these things at work. He who has ears, let him hear. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, it, okay. And so there, people are kind of confused. His disciples were confused. They're like, Jesus, what, what do you, what was that all about? Right? So let's go on. Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Like, Jesus, this is different. Like, you didn't normally do this. And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who, ha ha who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That sounds kind of harsh, right? That is why I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive for the people's hearts have grown dull 
and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the word, the evil one comes and snatches it away as it has been, as it, uh, away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what is sowed along the path. As for what is sowed along the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. For the one who hears the word, uh, and, and as for the one that was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields and yields in, in one case a hundredfold, in another case 60, in another 30. Okay, so I know we read a lot, that's long, but it's all connected. This is all one connected sort of idea here. So Jesus tells this parable. And this is different because he doesn't do this in the 12 chapters before. Jesus doesn't start talking in parables until chapter 13. And the reason why he starts doing this in chapter 13 is his teaching style radically changes. He starts to meet these people who start to oppose Jesus, these Pharisees, these super religious people who start to attack Jesus, and now they're trying to destroy Jesus because um, he's doing all these amazing things. And so now Jesus is like, all right, I need to, uh, I'm gonna keep preaching, but now I'm gonna preach in a way that only those who want to hear will understand, and those who don't wanna believe, they're not gonna understand what I'm talking about. That's what, why he starts to preach in parables. Because the parables, they're not just like simple stories to make it easier to understand. It's actually this ingenious sort of way to separate like those who truly want to listen to God and those who don't. And so he speaks in a way that's so simple yet so profound, but it's so simple that people who think they know something can't understand it. But it's so profound that people who like, Sorry. Anyways, I'll just read you the definition, right? Because this is a, this guy, John MacArthur, uh, he put it way better than I, I could. So here's what he says about why Jesus spoke in parables. It says this, Jesus's parables had a clear twofold purpose. They hide the truth from the self-righteous and self-satisfied people who fancy themselves too sophisticated to learn from him while the same parables revealed the truth to eager souls with childlike faith, those who were hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Jesus thanked his father for both results. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So like the parables, are this incredible like stroke of genius where Jesus designed these stories to reveal complex spiritual things that no one could understand, but he revealed them in a way that was so simple that even a child could understand what he was talking about, but only if they 
had faith and wanted to believe. But they were so simple that it offended people who thought they knew everything and and didn't really care to believe, but were arrogant and self-righteous. And those people, when they heard the parables, they heard nothing. Does that make sense? So the parables are designed like to only be heard by those who have faith and want to hear the truth of God. So that's, and that's still true today. Before I even get into the parable and start to describe it, if you are sitting in this room and you're like, oh, I grew up in the church. I heard this story like a thousand times. I've heard dozens of sermons. I know everything there is to know about this parable. Then you will get nothing from this parable today because you think you are above learning from the parables of Jesus. But if you have a childlike heart and you humble yourself, you're like, I heard this parable a thousand times, but I need to hear the word of God and he has something to speak to me. And you open your heart up like a child and you listen with fresh ears, then you will hear the truth of God for your life. The choice is yours. Will you choose to have ears to hear or will you close yourself off like the Pharisees and be like, I already know this stuff. Because if you don't, then you will walk away empty. But if you have faith and you ask God to open up your heart and you humble yourself, you'll be surprised at what God reveals through this simple parable that you might have heard a hundred times in your life. So can you just take 30 seconds to humble yourself and say, Lord, even, and even people who are here in the first service, like even though I heard this exact sermon last, yes, like, you know, an hour ago, Humble me and open my heart up so that I can hear your truth, your voice through this word. I am not above this parable. I want to hear you. So can you just take a moment, close your eyes for about 15 seconds and ask God to humble your heart and open up your ears so that you can hear what God has for you today. God, open up our hearts and our eyes and our ears and make our hearts good soil so that we can receive your truth and bear fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Jesus is revealing a couple of things, right? He told us the word is the seed, right? The seed is like the word of God, the gospel. You hear the truth of God. And a lot of you, so in Jesus is saying, there are, there are four different conditions of people's hearts when they receive the word that drastically changes the outcome of your life and your faith. Okay, that's what Jesus is trying to say. So number one, there is the first people who hear the word of God, and, but they don't receive it. And these are people who have, who are, he calls the, the seed that fell on the path. And the thing is soil right on path on the path is hard because it's been walked upon and it's compact and there is literally no room. The seed will fall upon the path, but the seed cannot penetrate it because the heart, the soil is so hard and there's no room. There's no physical room for the, for the seed to even get inside. 
Okay. And so what Jesus, what that represents are people who are, whose hearts are hard towards God and are not open to listen at all. They've already made up their mind and they're saying like, I already believe what I believe. I have chosen that God isn't real or that I believe that the way I believe in God is the way, and there's no other way. And I will not listen. And you're closed off to hearing anything else that's different from your opinion or the things that you already uh, know or grew up with. That's a hard heart. So even when truth comes, you won't hear it. Does that make sense? And so it doesn't matter how right the truth is. It doesn't matter if you've heard the right teachings your whole life. If your heart is hard, that teaching will never enter in your heart and that will never produce faith and nothing will ever happen. That's why it doesn't matter if you grow up in the church. It doesn't matter if you went to every single retreat. It doesn't matter if you read a bunch of Christian books. It it means that if you have been exposed to the gospel, it will not save you if it doesn't enter into your heart. If you're, if you're, if you're closed off, if you think you don't need God, if your heart is filled with pride, then it will be hard. People with, who are, have hearts like this have this sort of attitude. And this is whether you're religious or not, because you can be hard-hearted religious or you can be hard-hearted non-religious. This isn't just mean like atheists or whatever. The hard hearts that Jesus was talking about in this instance were the Pharisees who were super religious, but they were so religious, they were so closed off to anything else, they were closed off to the truth, but they had their religious truth. And if anything deviated from their religious truth, they they would not accept it, right? So they were closed off to Jesus. So even when Jesus came and did miracles in front of them, they couldn't even see it, right? So you could be like a super hard-hearted path religiously and just hold on to your religion and never listen to truly the truth of God. Or you could be hard-hearted, like atheist, non-religious and be like, yep, I've already decided God is not real because I can't see him. And I read a couple of books in college and now I am sure that God's not real. Then your heart is hard. You've already made, made up your mind. You're not open to listening to the possibility that something might be different than what you know. And you, the reason why your heart, your heart is hard is because of pride, right? And you don't need God because you already have it figured out. You've already closed up your, you've made up your mind. And this kind of person says things like, you know what? I'm a pretty decent person. I don't need God. You know, I got life figured out. And people who have that attitude, no matter how much you tell them the truth, will never ever be able to take in the truth of God. Faith cannot grow in a life that is hard and arrogant and thinks that they don't need God. If that's the attitude of a person, then there's literally nothing. You could preach the gospel to them for all of eternity and it will not penetrate. People who feel like I already have things figured out, who feel superior, lack humility, religiously or unreligiously, unwilling to listen, these are people who, when you argue with them, they're not listening to what you have to say. They're just waiting for their turn to talk, right? So that they can argue their point. But in James chapter four, verse six, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Only the humble who are open to hearing something different than what they already feel can receive. They have to be humble and realize they need God. They need help. You can't receive the gospel unless, you can't receive a savior unless you realize you need to be saved. Does that make sense? So if you're in this room, even if you are a religious person and you think, yeah, I'm religious, I do these things, I don't like kill people, I don't do drugs or, you know, or whatever, 
and you're feeling superior about yourself, you might actually be closer to this than you think. I would, it's, I feel like some, an atheist that is open to listening to truth is closer to the kingdom than a super hard zealot who is like not open to hearing, right? You can hear the same gospel. Two people can go to the same retreat, hear the same message, go to the same church their whole life. One person will hear and receive. One person will not. It's not the problem with the message. It's the problem with the heart. So what do you do if this is you? What, like there might be some of you in this room, you're like, yeah, you know what? I've heard the gospel. I've been to church my whole life. I've been to retreats. I heard all the things a thousand times. And for some reason, like faith just ain't happening for me, right? Like that truth, like I see it out there. I know it in my mind, but it just will not penetrate my heart. Maybe that's you and you are, your heart is hard and you hear the gospel and like it never does anything to you. What are you supposed to do? With a hardened soil, this is, you need to soften it. There's two ways to do this. With a plow where you break it, you literally shatter the hardness and you create space for the seed to get in to that heart. And this happens. Sometimes people who, who will not believe in God until their life falls apart until the things that they've been chasing just shatters and the things that they're like, I got this suddenly breaks in their face or the things that, that, that they were following after their family or their career or their relationship all falls in their face and then they realize in their brokenness that they need God. That's why so many people, when they hit rock bottom is when they find faith. But until then, they'll know, sometimes that's what people need. But the other alternative is you can soften hard, hard path with water, you can just soften the path. You can ask for rain. You can ask for God to soften your heart. So if you realize like, you know what? I have a hard heart. You can ask God to break you or you can ask that God will soften and give you a different heart, right? And God promises in Ezekiel that he will. He will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh if you ask him. Now, if this is not you, but you know someone in your life that has a hard heart and you've tried to share the gospel with them, you tried to do all these things and they just do not listen and they feel like they don't need the gospel and their heart is hard, you know what you do? Then you have to pray for them. Romans chapter 10, verse one, Paul says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they may be saved. Are you praying for people in your life with hard hearts that God will break and make room in their heart for the gospel? We have to pray for these people. And if you're these people, then humble yourself and ask God to soften your heart. Be like, I'm trying to believe, but I can't because I honestly, like it's not, my heart's not receiving it, God. But you know what? If you're up there and you're real, like I'm, I'm open if you change my heart. And if honestly, if you do that, like I believe he answers. He, he answers genuine prayers, even from people who don't believe, but who want to believe. God hears your prayers. It says in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. But you cannot ask God unless you first are humble and admit that you need God. And so if your heart is hard and you're like the path person, then ask God to humble you, to open up your heart. And even if you are a Christian, you need to check yourself that you don't, your heart doesn't get hard because what it says that like people, 
hearts grow dull. It's a slow process. It doesn't just happen one day. Like you go from like open heart and your heart is just closed. It happens slowly over time as like pride and arrogance seeps into your life. As you like feel like a good person, you're like, you know what? I'm not that big of a sinner. I don't need to repent. I don't need God. And then like, before you know it, you are a Pharisee, right? You need to check yourself and stay humble, my friends. Psalm chapter 39, verse 23 to 24, David says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there are any offensive way in me and lead me not into the way of everlasting. We need to constantly ask for God to keep us humble and our hearts open to the truth of God. Amen? Second, there is the, there's the shallow, the rocky soil. The second type of soil, the second type of heart is the type of soil that uh, doesn't, have, doesn't have a lot of depth. There's a, there's rock underneath. So it's only like a couple inches thick, but it looks the same on top, right? So the, the word of God goes in and when it goes in, it goes in and then immediately something starts to grow, right? And, and it, it grows really fast because it, it doesn't go in that deep and uh, people get really excited, right? You have a spiritual or emotional experience and then you, you know, you, you believe in God, you realize he's real. And like suddenly like you feel like, I don't, you feel all of these things and your motivation for faith is the blessings of God or the benefits of God or the healing or alleviation of guilt. And you're like, you're like on fire for a little while, right? And on the outside, it looks like you have genuine faith, but then what happens? Life gets hard. Things start to test your faith. It's hard to follow Jesus. Suddenly you have to start making choices. If I start to do things Jesus wants me to do, that's gonna go against what my friends want me to do, or that's gonna go against what I want to do. And then immediately when your faith gets tested, you fall away because there was no root to that faith. Your faith was just superficial. It was just emotional. It was just based on, I don't know, everyone else around me was crying. So I started crying too right? Or it was based on like something amazing happened. You're like, wow, God must be real. But your faith was based on a miracle. It was based on a feeling. It was based on a spiritual event. It was not based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It was based on these other things. And when these other things faded away, because everything fades away, feelings fade away, emotional experiences fade away. Even the experience of getting healed fades away because when someone gets healed from cancer, they are eventually going to die anyway. So even healings, right? Don't last forever. Like, you know, my knee got healed, but I'm going to get old and my knee is going to hurt again one day. I can't have my faith based on my like knee getting healed by God. My faith has to be based on something deeper than that it has to be based on Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God and he died for me and he rose again and he's my Lord, right? Your faith has to be deeper than just the shallow things of faith. What is the foundation of your faith? Are you only following Jesus if he makes your life comfortable? Then your, your faith is shallow, and it's not going to last. And of course, it's not fruitful. So many of us in the church that our faith is like this. You've been in the church for years and your faith is so shallow. It never goes any deeper than the surface. And the deep things of your heart has not changed. And even though you've been a Christian for however many years, there's no fruit in your life. And what I mean by spiritual fruit is the fruit from Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When 
you're a Christian and you have genuine faith, you produce, you, your insides start to change. And you have this inward fruit. But you're like, man, I've been a Christian for so long and I'm genuinely the, still the same person. I still feel the same. I still do the same things. Nothing has changed. Then you need to ask yourself, maybe your faith is on shallow, is in shallow soil and it's based on shallow things. Right? And you wonder why every time my faith gets tested, I fall. Every time there's a temptation, I, I just give, I give in. Every time my friends want to go do something that's against what I feel like God wants me to do, I give every time. Every time something bad happens in my life, I immediately lose faith and start to like curse God. Why is my faith so shallow? It's because it's not based in Jesus. Maybe your faith is based on something else. Maybe it was based on even like your community. Like you had a good Christian community and you wanted good Christian friends and your faith was based on your friends. And then when your friends start like, you know, leave or you go somewhere else, you start to lose your faith. Your house is built on sand. You need to start obeying Jesus. If you want to grow deeper, you need to start obeying him. You can't just chase after the feelings. You can't just chase after answered prayer. You need to chase after obedience. You need to start doing the things that he tells you to do and your faith will start to grow deeper. What do you do? What else can you do to grow, make your faith deeper? Make pursuing God's word a priority in your life. You cannot become a deeper Christian that stands in tribulation and produces faith without pursuing the word of God. That's why you got to study the Bible. You got to meditate on the word of God. You have to seek it and run after it. I know the Bible's confusing. I know it's boring, but if you want to grow, you have to seek it, fight, pray that God will enable you to do that. And no matter how long it takes. Psalm chapter one, verse one and three says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. Do you want to grow deeper as a Christian and be more than surface level? Then you got to pursue the word of God. I know it's hard, but if you, if you have faith, you need to pray and you need to seek and do what you got to do, right? Go to a Bible study. If, if you don't know how, what the Bible's about, go study at your church or at a friend's church. I don't care. It doesn't have to be here. Just pursue the Bible, start reading it. Get people to help you to read it. Get people to show up at your house in the morning and, and like bother you if you need to. I don't know. Do what you got to do. But if you don't, like our faith will always be surface level if we don't know the word of God. Second, if you want to grow deeper than just the surface, you have to pursue deeper intimacy with God in prayer. Are you seeking God in prayer? If you're a Christian and you don't are not seeking prayer in your life and not trying to grow that intimacy, then your faith will, will not grow much deeper than it is now, right? You need to pursue prayer. Ephesians chapter six, verse eight, it says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. All right. Do you guys like pray? I mean, not just during your meals, but like, do you, do you spend 
Do you actually make time in your day, even if it's like 10 minutes where you just do nothing else but pray? I'm not talking about just in your car on your way to work, but you like just at home, get on your face or get on your knees, close the door and sit down and be like, I am going to pray and I'm going to spend time with God and God alone. I'm going to turn off my phone and just be here with you. Do you pursue that kind of intimacy with God? Because if you don't seek intimate prayer with God, like our relationship will never grow. Imagine trying to get intimate with like, you know, you have a relationship with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, but you never spend alone time with them. You know, only hang out in group settings, right? If I was trying to like, you know, get more intimate with my wife, but we never spent alone time, like, yeah, like that's always going to be a shallow relationship. It's the same with God. Like you only pray when you're like at church or when you're with other people who are praying but you never like make time to pursue prayer and deep, deep, deeper than like, you know, or it'll always, if you don't know how to pray, then there's like a million books on prayer. Like read any of them. Even the bad books on prayer will make you pray. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, man, this book is terrible. I'm going to pray like differently than that. Like, I don't care. Just like, just do what you got to do to like get better at prayer. Like I, I'm really bad at praying. And so like I started reading books on prayer and then magically a few months later, I'm better at praying and I'm encountering God in ways that I've never have in my like 15, you know, 20 years of walking with him. I've never experienced prayer this deeply because I just started to pursue it. I started to make at least 10 minutes a day just devoted to prayer in my life. And now I'm like speaking with God on a level I've never had before. There's more guys. There's deeper levels of intimacy with prayer that you, that God is trying to call all of us into, right? If you want to grow deeper, you have to grow, you have to pursue Christian community. You can't love God and not love his people. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25, he says, and let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some, as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day coming near. If you're a Christian and you want to get, you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, you have to seek deeper relationship with other Christians. That's why small groups are important. That's why, yeah, like if you're a Christian, you can't just be by yourself and just have your own relationship with God because if you love God, he will lead you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, you know, if you've been isolated spiritually, then yeah, like, well, one, you're here at church, so great. Like, that's awesome. That's a good step. Keep going and seeking others out and getting to know them and encouraging them and growing in your love for one another. And as we do these things, we will grow deeper in our love for God. Start to pursue serving others. Don't just be selfish, but serve other people. Third, and this is probably going to be the last thing I talk about. The third kind of soil is thorns. It's like you're a Christian, but there are all these thorns and weeds in your life that keep you from being fit up keep you from being fruitful. And that what that means is there is a presence of other gods in your life. Yeah, you worship Jesus, but Jesus is just one of the many gods in your life. What that means is you, you worship Jesus on Sundays, but on Monday, you worship success, right? And on Tuesday, you worship pleasure. And on Saturday, you worship dancing. I don't know what it is that you do on Saturdays, but like we have other things in our life that take priority over God, Right? And this is the person that says, when it comes to like God, they say, I just don't have time. 
That's what that person says. Someone who has other gods is always saying, I just don't have enough time, you know, to pray or to, to love Jesus or to, you know, make God a priority. And when you say, I don't have enough time, what you're actually saying is God is not a priority in my life. And if God is not a priority in your life, that's because other things are a priority in your life. Because if you're not spending time with God, then you're spending your time with other things because other things will always fill up your, every day you use up 24 hours of your day, every single day, you fill it up with something. And if God God is not a priority for you, then the other things that fill up your time is your priority, whether you like it or not. If you're not spending any time pursuing Jesus, then the other things that fill up your day is your God. Because I don't care what you say, I don't care what you sing on Sundays, the way you spend your time will reveal the actual priorities of your life. And if it is not filled with Jesus at all, then yeah, that's why you're not fruitful because you got other thorns in your life that you worship. And why is that? It's because we don't believe that God is enough. We believe that God cannot satisfy us. We believe that God will not provide for us, that you, you need your career to provide for you, that you need, that you need like your friends to, to provide the belonging that you have. You need like God can't provide the pleasure and the desires of your heart. So you need to pursue other things. You know, you need, you, you trust in other things besides God because you don't believe that he's enough, that he's not sufficient, that he doesn't care for you, that he doesn't have your future in mind, that you have to run after these other things because we don't believe. So what do we do when we have other things, other gods in our life that we worship? We, we kick it out with the truth. We, we, we speak the truth. When we believe that God can't satisfy, we speak Psalm chapter uh, 107 verse 9, which says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Do you believe that? Sometimes we think God can't provide for me. I got to provide for myself. I got to take care of my career. I got to build up my money because God can't provide. And to that, we say Philippians chapter four, verse 19. And it says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You think he can't provide for you? Do you think you're the one who has to take care of your own life? You are God's. He will provide for you. Trust in him. Make him your priority. You think that he's not going to give you what you need to have a happy life, that you need to chase after other things before God? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. God will provide all things that we need for our lives, for a full life in him. We think that God is not sufficient enough for us all the time. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, all times, God is enough. All times, God is sufficient. But we think we don't truly believe this, so we run after other things first. I'm not saying doing other things and having priorities is a bad thing, but you need to make God your first priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and then all of these things will be added on to you. But we always do it the other way. We first seek everything else and then at the end, we might seek the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and everything else, God is enough. You think God doesn't have 
your best future in mind for you? You think he doesn't have a plan for your life that you have to worry and stress and plan and make everything like you got to set it all up for yourself and you're, you're so stressing out about that? Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for your future. He has got you. You don't have to be the one that's in charge. Give your life to him. Let's weed out these lies that make us worship other gods in our life. Repent, confess, identify the thorns and rip them out from the roots and, and say, God, I trust in you and I will put you first and I will make you the only God in my life. And when we start to do that, we start to cultivate good soil, good heart. And then the truth of God, which will always stay the same, will start to grow in us fruit for the kingdom of God. We start to go deeper and pursue God in a deeper relationship, not just staying at the shallow level, but deep, deeper in the word, deeper in prayer, deeper in our community with one another, deeper in the mission for God's kingdom. As we do these things, we will become good soil. The word of God is perfect. It's not the word of God that has to change. It's us that needs to change. It's not the church that needs to change. The church has always been just throwing out the word of God. It's not perfect, but the word is perfect. And our hearts, when we are in the right condition, will bear fruit. That's what Jesus says. We're going to bear fruit for the kingdom. And it will be 130, 60 times fold. But it takes time, guys. As we pursue God, deeper relationship, as we start to kill the other idols in our life and surrender our life to Jesus, as we pursue the word and prayer and relationships, as we start going deeper into this faith thing, you're not going to see fruit right away. Some of us, you think like, oh, okay, I started to like do these things, but I'm not seeing any change in my life right away. Fruit takes time. Have you ever planted anything before? I haven't, but you know, I can imagine what would happen if I did, right? Like you take a seed and you plant it and you're like, nothing's happening, right? But then like, yeah, you know, you gotta, you know, it takes a little bit of time and then something happens, right? But then even after that, something happens, you can't eat that thing. There's no fruit. You gotta wait. Now that thing has to produce fruit and that takes time too, right? Like a fig tree. You plant a fig tree. You know when you can get figs from the fig tree? It takes two to six years for it to produce fruit. But you have to grow that tree in good soil that entire time. And then it'll start to produce fruit every single year. Some of you are like, I don't know what a fig is. Okay, what about an apple? An apple tree, once you plant it, it takes six to 10 years before it starts to produce fruit. Okay? And you're like, well, I don't like apples. I like oranges. Well then, an, an orange tree takes 15 years before it produces its first orange. What? That's crazy. <laughs> but, but for those 15 years, it has to be in good soil. During those quiet years, the plant is digging deeper roots, growing taller, growing stronger, bring, growing more stable. And then once it starts to produce fruit, it will produce fruit for the rest of its life, every single year, every season. And then people can have orange juice. <laughs> you know, and we can enjoy the fruit and that's what it is for us, guys. We got to pursue the kingdom of God. Don't stay on the surface. Don't let other thorns come in. Let's go deeper in our relationship with God. Don't settle just having a surface level faith. That faith is not worth anything. You got to have faith that is fruitful. 
Is there the fruit of God in your life? And if it's not, then we better pursue it with all that we have because surface level faith, faith with no fruit is not faith at all. So let's pray that God will make our hearts good soil for his kingdom. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Han Vision Podcast. We hope you were blessed. Join us next week on Han Vision.